I was so tired. I just, I don't know what, what got over me, but I feel like I just needed to get me a respite just for a moment, just one little moment of me time. At this point, I had been in the Army almost 10 years. Professional soldier. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter, a weekly podcast on the art and craft of the personal narrative story. Each week, my partner Kurt and I will tackle one topic or answer one question as best we can to help you craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, grit stories. This week... Our feature storyteller is Ray Christian. It's his second time here on Grit because he's that good. He's got a six-minute story. Stick around after Ray is done when Kurt and I talk about the classic story structure. If you'd like to help us out, please let folks know about this podcast. If you listen on Apple, take a moment right now, rate and review this podcast. It really does help. Kurt has a class coming up soon, and we've also got a couple of events. So if you're interested in that stuff, learning more about this, or attending a show, or maybe even telling a story, check out the information in the show notes. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for all of your support and for listening. Let's dive in. I remember doing the first Gulf War. I was out on guard duty with another guy. And we had been bombing Iraqi positions for probably more than a month. And you could look out in the distance and see the rockets being fired far, far off in the distance. And where they would explode and these multiple little bombnets, these like small grenades would hit the ground and they would burst. And from the distance... They look like stars dancing on the horizon. And I remember telling the guy, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? And he says, yeah, unless you were under it. When the weeks that would follow, our unit would start its advance. And we started to move on Iraqi positions. And it was then that you could see the evidence of all that beauty. Hundreds of Iraqi soldiers who were trying to surrender. A lot of them dead, badly wounded and mangled. Some cried. Many had been injured in vehicle accidents, burned. And it was easy to imagine in a situation like that, your own self being killed. And when we took the time to search and check all the prisoners, a lot of them had intestinal worms in their pants. And it was moments like this that your humanity would start to come out. But it seemed like every time that would happen, 
some wayward Iraqi soldier, maybe some lost infantryman out there by himself, decides to take fire. And we would neutralize that fire in any way possible. Because that's what soldiers do. Now, you see, there is not combat going on at all places, at all times in a, in a sector. I mean, on your left and right, there could be a whole lot of action going on, or there could be nothing going on. And to your front, there could be action, or maybe nothing. And it's times like this during continuous operations and fatigue and sleep deprivation that the fog of war can start to settle in. And that's when you see things that are not there. You don't notice things that are. You walk a few feet too far and you get killed. You bend over in just the right time and you don't. Your vehicle moves 200 meters too close and it blows up. And you get irresponsible. And reckless. And careless. Well, it was in a moment like this. I was so tired. I just, I don't know what, what got over me, but I feel like I just needed to get me a respite just for a moment. Just one little moment of me time. At this point, I had been in the Army almost 10 years. Professional soldier. But I set my weapon down. And I walked out into the desert to relieve myself. Just my moment. And I walked out a few meters and started to do so. And all of a sudden, I noticed in front of me, the ground was starting to move around and shake a little bit. And I thought I knew what it was, and I stepped back. But before I could do anything else, three Iraqi soldiers popped out of this hole. They had this burlap over top of them, and it had sand over it, and I didn't notice it. And they had to drop on me, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die like this? I was a professional soldier. And it didn't take me long to realize that what they really wanted to do was, was to surrender. They wanted to give up. They were crying and grabbing at my feet. So I walked them back to my unit. And they were processed. And you know, as a professional soldier, I could maybe understand after weeks and weeks of bombing artillery and an armored onslaught that soldiers might not want to fight no more. And I could understand the level of motivation to continue to fight. But see, the thing is, that stuck with me is if I were them and I saw me walking up with no weapon I would have shot me and if I had walked up to them and they scared me and I had my weapon I would have killed them because that's what soldiers do. 
And ever since that day, I have wondered, I have hoped, and I have wished that those men went on to have a long and prosperous life. Kurt, there's something about this story that I hear from Ray. We've had Ray on before. Uh, that's that has a a feeling of what's the word? Sort of classic. I think what you're saying is like what's underneath this story. Like what's the sort of there's some sort of structure going on. Yeah, you can kind of feel it, and it makes sense if you can out there feel that there's there's something undergirding what Ray is so calmly sort of laying out for us right it's like kind of a classic setup in storytelling where ray tells us he's like home base in iraq you know he's with the other u.s soldiers and you know he's talked about fog of war you're not always making the right decision but the storytelling part is Mm -hmm. i went out i left home base Mm -hmm. i walked away from home base in storytelling there's oftentimes a journey a trip you know you leave like what's comfortable Mm-hmm. And it might be because you were asked to leave because you were incited, you needed something. So you had to go out in the world to get something or you might have floated away from home. You know, it just happens and then something happens. So Ray goes out in the desert, take a leak. He's like, look, I wasn't thinking, didn't bring my gun. And in a classic uh, story setup, he bumps into a few people. Mm-hmm. It happens to be nearly deadly for him, but in a story, like you, you might meet up with some people and usually it's consequential. And uh, in this case, you know, he goes through, I could have killed them. They could have killed me. What Ray does is he ends up walking them, even though he doesn't have a gun, they've surrendered. He walks them back to home base. So when, when Ray comes back to home base, he comes back with something. Mm-hmm. That's storytelling. You go out into the world and if you return, you come back with something. It might be uh, riches. It might be that um, a, a new wife, or it might be wisdom. And in this case, it's a kind of wisdom. And so um, Ray tells a story that has like two distinct sides. One is that's what soldiers do. And the other side is, well, we got lucky. We didn't kill each other. I hope they go on to have a long, prosperous life. And that I think the wisdom, uh, not to overtalk this, Sean, but uh, I think the wisdom is um, understanding that you won't always be at war if we survive this thing. We're only enemies in this context, but we're human beings, you know, when we're not at war, when we're not soldiers, when we don't have to do that thing that soldiers do. And I wish them well. So what happens if Ray goes and leaves his post to relieve himself and he relieves himself and then he comes back to his post? To bore, it's, that's not a story, is it? That's not a story. <laughs> Good question. Right? No tension there. You can argue it's a story, particularly given we use that word so broadly or loosely, right? Story. It's a okay. Something happened. You can say there's a beginning, middle, end. But right, that probably wouldn't qualify, certainly for the types of stories we want and really for any, because nothing really happens. That's good. I remember a writing teacher in college saying he hated Edgar Allan Poe or one of his stories, The Fall of House of Usher, because God damn it, nothing actually happens in the story. Yeah. Um, You can relate that to your own life if you want to tell the story about going to the supermarket and buying avocados and then you bought them 
and then you came home and cooked dinner uh, mm-hmm. and included the avocados in the salad. Yep. And then ate dinner, and it was, you know, as you expected it was going to be. It was better than average. Uh, and then next week you're going to plan to go back to the same supermarket and buy those avocados and have <laughs> yeah. another equally delicious dinner. Yeah. That's not a story. And here's the mean part. We don't care. I, is that fair? Around the fireplace, around the bar with your friends. Sure. I'd love to hear about Mary. I love Janice. Hal. That's cool. I want to hear about these little slices of your life. I do. Mm-hmm. But but this is often what we're talking about is for people who are going to be uh, performing, right? Or on some level uh, to a public that doesn't know them. Avocado ain't going to cut it. You need some change. The thing you just described, what you just described about uh, Ray going into the desert and coming back different. That's a different kind of thing going on there. Now, yeah. So someone might say, well, I didn't go to war, Sean. Yeah. Okay. I get that. You didn't go to war, but you are living your life and thing. You are going, venturing out into the world and making decisions and taking risks and wanting things and dealing with things and obstacles and trying. And all of those are, those are all stories. That's my analogy. Yeah. You just put your finger on it. Stories are about problems. Yeah. But there's something about them having problems and tension and conflict and yeah reconciliation or whatever you call it that make them stories and stories we want to hear and the other stuff either aren't stories or just a really different kind of story that you have to like just treat differently and it's hard yeah i mean one theory sean is like if you tell me a story about the time you you escaped uh your house when it was on fire it's important for me to hear that uh first of all i'm happy that you you escaped but i'm also thinking in my mind like okay, so how do I prevent that from happening to me? Mm-hmm. So they're like, uh, this theory is like stories are like flight simulators. Mm. So there's no risk to Kurt listening to Sean talk about his risk, but I benefit from it. So right. I'm going to pay attention. The whole important part of the storytelling is the person listening want, care, can care about it. You can tell the avocado story. It's just such a different type of story. And I think there's more pressure on you. I don't know if that's the right word, pressure to keep us in it because nothing's happening. And if nothing's happening, well, then why am I listening? Ah, well, maybe there was a cute little anecdotal thing that happened while you were picking the avocados and someone said something and it makes me laugh. That's enough, right? You got to get them through the story, perhaps with humor, perhaps with something else. There's nothing holding it together. Yeah. But I, I like this conversation because you're basically pointing out like the the good way to say to somebody who's working on a story, well, instead of saying, hey, this story's not working for me. In fact, uh, I'm w- waiting for you to finish up because I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it's more like, okay, listen, understand, you know, stories really about are about problems. So there needs mm-hmm. to be some, some conflict here. Mm-hmm. No conflict, no story. That's a really easy way into saying, actually, that's not, that avocado thing's not going to work. Makes me think, you know, people, maybe their students or other people have said to you, like, I don't have a story. There was no problem. I went to, I'm going to keep going back to the avocado, right? Uh, avocado, well, nothing happened. And then isn't that one of the reasons why you, uh, as someone who's teaching this stuff, who had a showcase last night, by the way, which was very good, your beginner students are no longer beginners. That's for shit, sure. That's awesome. Isn't that why we often ask, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right there? Because... All right, nothing's happening with these damn avocados. They're just avocados. 
they're in the store. They cost what they cost, and there's plenty of them. And that's that. How are you feeling about it? Well, I'm pissed off that they aren't ripe. Okay, now maybe there's something. Maybe, right? There's a problem. Is it is it the same as Ray's problem? It's a fair thing to say no. The fact that you want the avocados to be ripe and they're not ripe versus the fog of war, that's a stretch. But Dude, maybe if you there's can... something to work with about a little problem, a little tension, a little conflict. You want it one way, it's not that way. All right, take us on that little journey. See what yeah. happens there. Yeah. That's why I mean... we asked that question, right? Not the only reason. How you feeling right there? How you feeling oh. about that? How you feeling oh, about this thing? Because you're trying to get a little bit underneath. Yes. Um, and then a couple minutes ago, going on the same idea, you said um, there are some people who will say to you, "I don't have any stories," and that's when you know, like, you really do have to start asking questions. Because my theory on that is, people are that's just fear. And I would add, having people kick the shit out of you in life, telling you you're nothing. Oh, and you don't matter. Yeah. And no one cares about you or your stories. Oh, and your voice is not important. Oh, man. Keep your head down and do what you're supposed to do. Oh, sign up for my class, man, because I want to help with that because that drives me crazy. And it's just baloney and it's no way you don't listen to that stuff. All you need to sometimes do is dig a little bit more, Mm -hmm. ask one or two more questions, get to the heart of it. What's the heart of it? I don't want to be a shitty wife. Let's start writing that story. Maybe. Yeah. Or I don't want to uh, hear it tonight. Sure. Sure. I'm doing sure. the best I can. I, I know what I'm going to hear and I'm dreading it. I'm tired of everyone expecting me to be perfect. Yeah. I'm done. That's an interesting story. See, That's story. Yeah. And that goes back to my idea when people say, you know, I don't have any stories. Everybody has stories. People who tell their stories, like the five that I had last night, they were brave enough to tell certain stories. You, you only have to ask why sometimes one or two more times, not a hundred to get to a little closer to the, the heart. Right? It's not, we know it's not about what is it real? What's going on here? And I think sometimes the difference of getting there and not getting there in part is just someone's willingness to, or their awareness, but often it's the space they're in. Is this safe? Can I really share this thing that I don't really want to share? And so, you know, as I was listening to your uh, students last night, in your showcase, it was clear, which is really cool. Like, oh, okay. They can share shit in this space that they feel okay about. And people aren't going to be like, well, that was stupid. Don't be a jerk. Why? You, like, nah, you don't do that in that, that space. Someone's getting real with you. You just listen and whatever, whatever guidelines you've set up for your class, that's how you, that's how you deal. So the idea with, with Ray's story is uh, he definitely goes on a, a trip there. He goes on a journey, yeah. he goes out in the desert and he comes back and he brings something with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does an awesome job of sort of showing us, you know, the whole time he's telling the story, I'm remembering where I was during the first Iraq war. Mm-hmm. I was in a much more safe place than he was. And I was thinking, oh, wow, you know, he's talking about charred bodies and um, neutralizing fire. This is real experience. This is gritty. I really appreciate that he's bringing this to life because one reason I like to go to stories is just to be aware of lots of stuff that I haven't experienced firsthand. So I was really getting into that and he does that for most of the story. And then he flips it. He doesn't say anything like that's wrong. He says, and I also like that he doesn't back down. He says, that's what soldiers do. He doesn't say we neutralize that fire and I've lived with regret ever since. He's saying that's my role in, uh, in war. I'm a soldier. We neutralize fire. That's what soldiers do. As I listen to more stories, um, what I'm noticing is uh, 
there's a kind of self-questioning that's healthy. Yeah. But I also like when people are saying, look, this is the situation. This is what I chose to do. You don't want a lot of hand wringing and a lot of like apologies all the yeah. time. It's okay to yeah. check yourself and say, hey, look, was I a good husband, you know, to smash the dishes in the kitchen? Absolutely not. I hope to never do it again. People get into this space of explaining and I don't know if the words editorializing, I don't know if that's the right word. What happened? Now, it's not it's more than that though, right? Cuz we ask, well, it's not just about what happened. How did you feel? And once you start opening up that question, they might get into the stuff that you don't like. The very stuff that you said, I don't want you to be doing that, not you per se, but somebody with like apologizing or qualifying. It's so interesting you just brought that up cuz I'm seeing that so often. I'm not sure was it always there and my filter wasn't on or it's just more I mean, I'm talking about people who are beating up on themselves too. And there's only so much energy that I can put towards that some days, you know, this whole self-flagellation. I don't find it to be very enlightening or entertaining. I think it needs to be done because it's human. It happens in our lives, but I don't think that you need to spend a minute on it. And we get it. We all do it. So you can do it in shorthand too. Do you mean Um, like when someone's saying, look, I was addicted to drugs. I robbed a bank. I'm not going to go on for two and a half minutes telling you, you know, I was so wrong to ever try heroin. I sometimes feel like people are talking about, I'm like, this doesn't even sound like your voice. This is like your your third therapist's voice that you happen to connect with. And now that's like your new thing about life and you've figured it all out. It's like, that's cool, but it just doesn't always really feel like legit or authentic or even ma- that it matters. I don't know. We we need no, you you do know. In in when one episode that we need to do, and maybe this becomes it, is the infiltration in our regular talking, our regular language yeah. of therapy words. Yeah. Like one of the my proudest moments as a teacher is a friend of mine was taking my class and she threw in and a very excellent story. At the end, she's she calls somebody a narcissist and an alcoholic. I'm like, is there another way to describe this guy? Yeah. He's a guy who owns a bar and probably shouldn't. He's a guy who makes all his decisions after he drinks a fifth. He's a guy who's all about him, not you. He can't take care of anything. Okay, got it. Parts Mm -hmm. of that guy is in me. We can't take care of it. We get it. We're all humans. We're all sort of connected. But we get disconnected when we get these therapy words in there, like narcissism and, you know, alcoholism. Like, But isn't it kind of cool that you give give enough to your audience so that they might be thinking... Oh, he's he's like my, my uncle, the narcissistic fuck. <laughs> You're giving them enough so that they could put that together. If they want to throw those labels out there, get, let them play. Some will do that. Some won't really balancing because you got to give them something. Yeah. So but you don't want to give them certain things. And it's tricky. But like I may call Harry an alcoholic or I might say, look, most people in my neighborhood know that Harry stops at the liquor store right when it opens at 9 a.m. to grab something on his way to work. You give the, the audience the opportunity to go, wait, 9 a.m.? That's, right. hey, hey, that's not normal. Probably an alcoholic. Yeah, and they can do that. Let them do that. You know, that's what we're doing as we're listening to stories. We're making our judgments anyway, yep. and it's sort of satisfying. Oh, wait, what's he? Oh, okay. And then they get to do that. But if you yeah. tell them there's no click, you're just telling them how to think about Harry. So if you just kind of paint the picture real quick and they're like, oh, that's not normal. There's something sort of engaging about that. It's interesting though, because it's kind of a high, I don't know if it's higher level. It's not easy to do. You look at Ray's story. He's not really telling you much about the desert and 
you know, yeah, I mean, he's got, I guess, a little bit of the benefit of we have images we remember from television in the early 90s. But, you know, so you can remember what it looks like. Uh, he doesn't say much, but I'm pretty sure we're imagining something. He's at a post. He walks away. What it looks like a little like you're imagining. That's what we do, right? We imagine what it looks like. That's what most of us are doing. We're hearing the words. We're putting the picture together. But I don't remember him saying spending much time on that. We just do it. We just do it. Like we just who, who's listening to that? Not imagining Ray walking into a desert. They're not thinking of a rainforest. Yeah. Uh, and so and they probably start to put, put the pictures together. What do those three guys look like? Ray knows. I think Ray knows better. He knows that no matter what he says, we're going to come up with our own pictures. So he might right. as well be spare and let us come up with our own pictures, not bog us down. Right. So in my picture, it's pure black and there are three guys under some kind of drop cloth coverage yeah. and the ground starts moving because they're like, shit, here comes a guy. We want to give ourselves up. But their faces can look how you imagine them. He's not going to spend all kinds of time on that. He's not going to waste time. I think it's cool. He boils stuff down. Yeah. I mean, he, this is his second story with us. And his first story was similar in that respect. He doesn't spend a massive amount of time. He takes his time when he delivers a story. He's in control. I think he's a great storyteller. And I see in this story and the other story, a man who is clear on what he wants to say on how he wants to say it. He's measured in his delivery. He's very intentional and he knows he's giving us enough to fill in a lot on our own whether that's what the scene looks like physically or other things that's hard to do and he does it well so kudos to him for that what ray's doing in the story is he's giving us a narrative arc that is really familiar you leave home you go out to a strange place you encounter some people you've never met before there's some conflict if you're able to survive and you come all the way back to the place where you started, usually you're bringing uh, wealth or a new wife or you're bringing some wisdom. In most cases, it's about wisdom. And so when Ray comes back, he's still a soldier, but he also kind of gives you this coda in the story. We're not always going to be enemies when we're not at war. We're not soldiers anymore. And I hope I wish them all well. We lucked out. None of us died that night. We could. have. Right. That's what makes it a story. So that's sort of Ray's journey. And he knows he can do a lot with that. Like we're going to recognize that even sub if it's in the subconscious. Okay. There's some action. This guy's going out in the dark and he's forgetting something in the in between. He knows uh, that he doesn't have to overdo it in describing these guys in the hole that, that you and I are going to come up with our own mental pictures of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And what's really important is that he keeps the, the, the story moving. Um, so right away, he brings us into danger. He's right in front of these guys. Mm -hmm. What he also populates a story with is brutal honesty. I would have killed these guys. That's what soldiers do. Yeah. If I were them, I would have killed me. Yeah. Walking out, uh, walking up to them like that in the dark. I would have killed me. I would have shot me. Yeah. You know, you you just admire Ray for for not apologizing, just saying, "Look, this was my job. I was a soldier for ten years at that point. I like it." And then he comes back and he's also uh, sensitive enough to say, but thank God it didn't work out that way. Cause it's not like I was, you know, raging homicidally the whole time. I was just trying to protect my ass and neutralizing fire and everything. I'm yeah. glad that we had that weird uh, experience and that everybody was okay. So it just works. It's a really cool, and you, you'll start to notice as you put stories together that, you know, a lot of them kind of 
can move like this. Sean, like you tell your students, you know, you're the hero of every one of the stories that you're going to tell. So it's always about one of your students going out into the world because there's some goal. I need something. Yeah. You have to have a motivation. You have to have a goal. Yeah. Why do you leave home? Well, I had to get some groceries. I was hungry. Then I got T-boned by, by a, you know, a Ford Fiesta. And now I don't walk the same. Yeah. And that's my conflict. And this is what I'm doing to deal with it. That's a story. Um, but someone had something had to get you out of your house. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be extraordinary. You know, it can be as like normal or basic as hunger. Need to go to the grocery store from that basic concept. And I call it basic, but, you know, I didn't I didn't always get that. I like to have that illustrated. I like to talk about it, too. Also, I'm thinking about this guy, Ray. He's telling the story that, you know, I can't, I've never been in war. And most people haven't. Thankfully, most people haven't had to be professional soldiers, but, um, or in danger like this. But, you know, story, the fact remains that stories beget stories. Okay. So while I'm sitting there, I'm like, Kurt, don't do that. Don't go there. This guy's talking about fucking life and death. Mm -hmm. don't go there Kurt don't compare it to some trifling little thing in your everyday life but you know what it's true that's what you do as a listener to stories you're like how does this apply to me is there something in my life that oh usually you're not asking that just pops up fog of war you're not always making the right decisions oh I see I see it's not it's just human to sort of have lapses and even when you should be taking care of yourself like this time, like a pandemic, you still want to go outside. You still want to go see those people. You know, you, you can't help it. You get worn down by time itself. And uh, when I'm listening to Ray's story, like I left my gun back at camp or you don't know, you know, sometimes you don't make the right decisions to take care of yourself. You didn't, I'm like, Oh, I get that. That's a real human thing. And whether you've been to war or not, you're going to be able to relate to, to Ray's, you know, extraordinary experience of having been a soldier. Uh, I I get to listen to Ray's story and make whatever connections I want. Maybe I'm making a connection to the pandemic we've been in in the last year and some of my own struggles. Yeah, man. I mean, is it like being in Iraq in 1991? Uh, Probably not, but uh, struggle, struggle, right? I, I know that I'll never know that situation, but I think it's, I'll have confrontations with people. And certainly we all, no matter what happens, we feel like our lives are in danger at different various points in our lives. Unless you're like me when I left and I said, if I get drafted into that fucking war, I'm going to go to Canada. Did you at age 18 go to the post office and what did they call it? Whatever I had to do, I did, but it was, you did it? I, I would have, I would have left. I said I was going to go to Canada if they got me. I was the first age, 19 years old at that war. Yeah. I wasn't doing it. Ray did it. Different life, different situation. I think Ray's got some years on me. And who knows what his reasoning was for going in. There can be positive stories, too, uh, and positive outcomes. And getting back to Ray's story, without leaving us feeling like he was trying to come up with something positive. Uh, That's what I've noticed about Ray's stories. Something to be admired is... Yeah, he gets into something positive, but he doesn't diminish, you know, the real world toughness that had been established for five minutes in that story. He doesn't put uh, tie it up in a bow. So I think we like, Sean, uh, I think we like those kinds of stories that seek uh, sort of realistic pictures. I think so. Yeah. Don't apologize. 
And remember, part of that's in his delivery. I mean, a lot of it's in the crafting, but he just says what he has to say. And that might sound silly, but it's true. He doesn't say, just tells us. Yeah. Because it, it's more than enough. You don't have to perform it so much sometimes. Yeah. I know we might give the exact opposite feedback to some people who are super flat and just like, <laughs> but when you've taken the time to craft something well, man, you you really you don't have to overdo it. Usually you have to pay some attention to it. You'll get better at it. But I'm telling you, man, this is kind of one example of, um, you know, look, we know he's a great writer and he's got that great voice. And, and I don't want to keep saying all these compliments because it gets boring on a podcast, but so yeah, he makes it look easy. But I like what you say about how he doesn't have to perform it. It's like what they would say about people who don't um, like real tough people don't have to act tough. And maybe the well people who are secure and whatever they've got in their bank account don't have to be fancy about it and dress a certain way, you know? So yeah, Ray's got that going on too. He doesn't really give you this impression that he really has a lot to prove. He just has had some, he's shaked the just out of that sentence. He has some experiences that he wants to talk about. He's a real storyteller. This yeah. is what happened. Yeah. I also like like the maturity or the, the the seasoning of just putting it out there without explanation. This is Ray's second story with us. And there's just something that happens when you press play and you hear his voice. It's, you know, everything that we've said already, he's, he knows what he's doing, but it is also a way that he just performs. So I, I have a friend who's driving her minivan the other day just to give the visual. And she played that podcast episode that we did with Ray when he told his first story. And she's got her little girl in the back of the minivan. The girl's like 10 years old. And here's a story. And when it's done and it's time for Kurt and Sean to talk, the girl goes, I want, <laughs> I want more. She just wanted to hear Roy, Ray's voice. Oh, she didn't want more of me or you. She, she didn't was like, no, I don't want to hear those guys at all. Yeah, that's a good lesson for us. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair to you, this girl sees enough of me already, so understood. But really, to the point is, like, Ray just has a nice, mellifluous yeah. voice, you know? Some people have that, some don't. So, yes, he has that. And maybe he's worked on bringing it out. But, yeah, it helps. Storytelling is... Uh, is without limit if you continue to study and to listen to other people. It's all, it was explained to me a long time ago about other types of writing. It's all about the choices you make. And so you can do different types of work making different sorts of choices, and you should. You should try different stuff. It just makes you more interesting to listen to. Try shit. Yeah, try different things. As always, thanks so much for listening and your support. If you want to learn more about how to craft and tell these kinds of stories, Kurt's got a class coming up soon. And if you want to check out some events, some fun stuff on Sundays, well, we've got the Mental Health Happiest Hour and the 99 Second Story Slam that are coming up this month. So check all that information out in the show notes. Thanks again. That's it for now. Boom.